You're now listening to The Nest on Tap, conversations to encourage parents to make informed choices about healthcare and to embrace parenting as a tool to change the world, one diaper at a time. Here's your host, Katie Demota. Okay, welcome and thank you for joining uh, us on The Nest on Tap. I'm Katie, your host, and today we're gonna take a closer look at postpartum mood disorders including depression and anxiety in early parenting. I'm joined today by an expert in the field, Catherine O'Brien. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist and the founder of happywithbaby.com and author of Happy With Baby, Essential Relationship Advice When Parents Become Partners. Catherine knows what it's like to be overwhelmed, out of energy and out of ideas as a new parent. She created Happy With Baby in order for new and expecting parents to discover the advice she wishes she could have had when managing expectations of parenthood and relationships. Catherine's married to her husband, Rick, who shares his advice on parenting and creating healthy relationships in Happy With Baby. Together, they have a son and a daughter who both play soccer, where Catherine gets to assume the role of coach. She and her family live in Sacramento, California. Thanks for joining us today, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, we are too. This is such an important topic and obviously one we need to talk more about and could probably talk endlessly about as it affects so many of us. And I wish I had your book when I was struggling as an early parent as well. <laughs> yes. It, you know, it, it was from my own struggles is kind of how it all started. So <laughs> right. we can learn a lot from our own experience and right, parents. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, before we get too far, I'd love it if you could share with us a little about your background and your practice and the role you play with new and expecting parents today. Yeah, so like you said, so I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and I have been for almost 20 years, which <laughs> I feel like seems shocking to me that it's been that long. Um, and my, my specialty is working in maternal mental health um, and working with new parents. And I've been do, having the specialty for over 10 years now. And it was, like I said, after the birth of our oldest that kind of opened up my eyes about how difficult it was to have it, had, add a baby to the family. And I knew like I had worked with other um, expecting and new parents, but for whatever reason, I was just so naive to the fact like, of course, it's going to be a challenge. Um, and so you would think that since I was a therapist, that, um, I would have put more consideration into it for myself. And I really hadn't, um, I felt really unprepared, um, for bringing home a new little person (laughs) that like moved in, right. Who was completely reliant on us, um, that it was going to impact our relationship. Um, I just assumed that since I thought we had a good relationship and we had good communication, that what was going to go wrong. And realized quickly that um, sleep deprivation and the stress of constantly having to learn new skills and meet the needs of our little guy that I had no idea would have this effect um, on how my husband and I were relating to one another. So I just started mentally keeping a checklist of things I wish I would have known. I wish somebody had like prepared me for Um, in regards to um, our relationship and just being a new mom. 
And then I was going to like different moms groups, like a workout moms class and a new mom support group. And I was listening to other moms. I was like, oh, they're just as unprepared as I am and hearing like other things. So I just kind of kept putting this list together and was given an opportunity to teach a workshop about a year in um, to having my son and kind of, and from there, you know, it was like basically everything I wish I would have known um, prior to baby. And so now I've been teaching this class and now with my husband as well for over, for over 11 years. Um, and then from that, we developed a book and I do, uh, I have like a Facebook community and I have do some meetup groups with new parents and do counseling individuals and couples and stuff like that. So just kind of all like, like I found my passion for <laughs> the kind of work I really wanted to do from like my struggles of being a new mom. So. Mm. Well, I can totally relate. Obviously I worked in the <laughs> yeah. and thought I was ready to go. Yeah. But I had 10, 12, 15 years of experience before I had a baby and thought, well, be fine. Be yeah. fine. Right. Yeah. And then you get there and you learn a lot more. You right. Like, oh, oh wait, this is different. <laughs> this is yes. not stop. It keeps going. There's so much. Yeah. And quite yeah. different when it's in your body, you know, having this connection with the baby and birth and postpartum, and that's really right. such a big twist. And yeah. hard to be prepared for. So yeah, I can relate. And I'm really glad that your partner uh participates because uh, you know, I would say that being a new parent, my experience being a parent really helps me with the nest and understand what classes are uh, essential, what speakers mm -hmm. you think we, that I think we should talk to. Um, one of the hardest things is um, bringing in enough support and information for fathers, for men. Yeah. So. Yeah, I felt so, well, it's funny because originally I, I taught the class, the workshop with a, another childbirth birth educator, which was great. And then um, it was her business, so she wasn't able to continue it with me. But when I was like prepping for it, my husband, who does a lot of public speaking, I was like, "Help me prep for this." So as he, as I was like running through it with him, he just kind of was like giving me all this like good like, just dad tips. And the way he was tying it together, I was like, "Oh, I just wish you were teaching this with me." And he's like, "Yeah, I do that. I would do that." And it just kind of like fell into place. Like, hey, I can't teach this with you anymore. You like just do it on your own because I think it's helpful. And I was like, well, what, did, what do you think if I taught it with him? And it just ever since then, you know, and I was so excited that he would teach it with me because um, he doesn't give the expert, like as a therapist perspective, he gives it as a, a partner, a dad, like, this is what it's, this is what it's like, you know, to be in it. And, um, and now just over the years, you know, it just kind of, um, <laughs> we could teach each other's parts, you know? <laughs> so. Well, we like real talk at the nest, you know? Yes. Yes. Just real talk. This is real experience and, and how we can relate to each other. So I think that's great. And right. we'll make sure that we add links and information to your class okay. and to your information so that everyone okay. can access that as well. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Um, so I want to, as I shared with you already, I want to make sure we talk about this topic and really include all of our listeners. So I thought we could start with thinking about preparation during pregnancy. And so mm -hmm. for our expecting listeners, are there recommendations that you can suggest 
uh, supportive or preventative measures that they might be already taking or maybe even just thinking about for postpartum? Um, yeah, so I have lots. <laughs> um, so I'll just go over a few, but I, I think the first, like, I don't know if this is the first one, but the first one that came to my mind as I was thinking about this question was just evaluating what our expectations are. Um, sometimes what we want to happen, what we expect to happen, maybe we've dreamed of for years to happen, um, gets in the way of what ends up happening and affects how we end up experiencing um, becoming parents. And so um, <laughs> our babies usually don't do what we want them to do when we want them to do it. And chances are, you know, your birth experience, maybe even your pregnancy isn't going the way that it's supposed to go or how your friends went or the mom on Pinterest or Instagrams is going, you know? And um, so I think it's just like, putting into perspective of like, um, like being in it and versus like expecting what will happen. So just being able to evaluate like, okay, this is maybe what I want to happen, but being in the moment with what is actually happening for you and how it's going. Does that make sense? Total sense. Okay. Yeah. And something okay. I really like to stress. I yeah. like to share as much as we play on Instagram too, that Instagram and Pinterest isn't always real. That's yes. not what it looks like. So yeah. having a realistic expectations is so important. Yeah. And I think it's like, because it's not going the way you expect it, doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad either. You right. know? Right. We were just talking the other day about getting knee deep in the woods and the shoulds. What happens when I get knee deep yeah. in those? And how do I get my way out of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. Any other tips for? Yeah. So, uh, so I'm big on developing a postpartum plan. I mean, that's kind of, that was the basis of our initial workshop. That's basically the basis of um, our book. Mm -hmm. um, and I always like to stress that your partner is not your postpartum plan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that we know, um, we know there's a higher rate of relationship dissatisfaction after baby comes home. So safeguarding that relationship with your partner is important. Um, because even, even though you've planned this, maybe you've tried really hard to get pregnant, you want to have a baby and you're going from like, you know, two to three to four to five, whatever. Um, and it's exciting. It's also, it's stressful. There's irritability. There's usually an increase in fighting um, because we have extra demands on ourselves with raising a child. And so it's time to really like, you know, talk about what, um, about how each of you maybe solves conflicts, like what each of you um, are experiencing are your, your biggest concerns are with the transition and be able to, to voice this with each other. Um, you know, maybe even talk about how, how you know and feel loved and supported by each other. And um, looking at like the upcoming, you know, household management tools and things like that and how to prepare for that. So um, I, think it, I think it's important to have a plan. <laughs> yeah. And I say that, I say a plan and I think talking about this, but also knowing, let go that the expectation is the plan is going to go according. <laughs> But the fact if you talk about it and you know, you can check in about those things when they're not happening so that it's, 
you know, is a constant conversation. It's not like I'm going to develop this plan and it's all going to go accordingly. I'm just going to start checking out the boxes. It's like, no, I might have to reevaluate these things too. Like we might decide, Hey, I thought we could handle all this household management stuff, but now, you know, having this baby is a lot more stressful and we need to figure out like, where can we get extra support and things like that? So, right. I think it's great just to get it out on the table first, right? Yeah. It's already been brought up. So it's not new and exciting in the moments when things can get a little. Right. When it's real. When it's real. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Remember that plan, honey? <laughs> that one? Yeah. And, and the other thing with the, you know, developing that postpartum plan and that, you know, safeguarding your relationship is also having a good social support. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not enough. I think that's what the pandemic has taught us. Uh, I tell people, I feel like the parenting isn't harder now with the pandemic. Parenting is, it's just like magnified where our inadequacies are in, in having, and being parents. Like we've always had these struggles. It's just, I feel like they come to the forefront that much, is come to the forefront that much sooner now, postpartum. So, um, so it's like definitely making sure you have good social support, you know, when people ask you for help, because they do, people will say like, oh, do you need anything? Can I help you with this? Like take them, take them up on that offer, you know, like let them know. I'll even tell people to, you know, create a list of the things that you need to do. And if somebody asks you for something, I mean, even referring them to that list, because I think it can be difficult in the moment to know what you need to have done and or it's like oh nothing I'm fine I'm good but it's like no like this is my list of you know things to do and maybe checking with them to see like what they're willing and how they're willing to help you um I think we have a problem in our culture for asking for help and knowing how to answer that question mm -hmm. Absolutely. If there's anything we can share with people. I find this to be difficult, right? How do I ask for help? And how do I know what to say when someone does that? And then I have to accept the help. Yes. Yeah. You have to accept it, right? Right. And accept it that it's not going to necessarily be the way you, you would do it yourself. Right. But like sometimes done is better than done the way perfect. Right. Right. I mean, I think that that even happens with my partner and I, like I'll ask him to do something and I have to accept that he's going to do it his way and it might not be how I would do it. And I need to not then critique him on how he's not done it the way that I would do it. Cause, <laughs> and that's hard, but it's a practice. It's a practice of like holding my tongue. <laughs> I was being like, I, Hey, I didn't have to do it. It was easier. Like for instance, Tuesday night. So today's Tuesday. I told him a couple months ago, like, I, I can't make dinner every night. Like I'm like tired. You know, my kids have been home. I've been working from home, like doing all these things. Like I can't also then make dinner every single night and I need help. Like, can you, and he doesn't typically make dinner. Um, and so finally he, uh, he said like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll make dinner. And he picked Tuesdays and great. And the first time he made dinner, there wasn't enough food, you know, like we're still like starving afterwards. And then the second, and, the, and I was like, oh my gosh, I wanted to be like, how did you not know? Do you not see what I, you know? And then it was like the second time it was really spicy, you know? And, and then I was like, okay, we're a couple months in and he's like found his groove, right? It's a learning curve. Like it's a learning curve for every like parenting step and accepting that from my partner. So I think it's like, you know, 
people aren't going to do things the way you want them to do it. I feel like I went off on a tangent here, but you know, like also accepting whatever you get, like, you know, if you're going to have ongoing support and help, it's going to take time until it gets to the place that you want it to be. Exactly. I hear a lot of surrendering in that, asking yeah. vulnerable and then just letting go and yes. accepting, accepting that help. I yeah. think I love the idea of the postpartum plan, even if, even if it doesn't yeah. happen just so, at least you've gotten your time to think about it. What do I need help with? And yeah. how am I going to answer that question? Which is right. how can I help you? And having maybe write that out, uh, lots of answers. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I'll, you know, it's, um, I have a workbook that um, like I give out to some of the new parents that I work with and, mm -hmm. and in it, there's like a matrix and there's the things that these are the things I like doing and want to keep doing. These are things like I like doing, but could probably give up and let somebody else do it. These are things that I don't like doing. And also I'm not sure how I could give them up because maybe I have to do it. And then these are things I hate doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so it's like figuring out like where in those that like matrix of things like where can I get support that I might not have like realized that I could let go of because I think we I think we often feel like I know I do I often feel like I have to do all these things and it's just not sustainable. Right, right. And I think for some folks, this is the first time they've mm -hmm. even considered letting go. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that's a big step. I love the matrix uh, yeah. for sharing that. I think a lot of people yeah. could really benefit from breaking that down. Yeah. Yeah. And like where, yeah, where can you, you let go of some things? Yeah. Other thoughts to share for those who are expecting? Yeah, I, I think it's like looking, it's looking at self-care and I know self-care gets overused. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> Um, in our book is broken down into three sections. And the first section is basically self-care, right? And it's, it's saying, what am I going to do to make sure I'm taking care of myself and reconnecting with myself? And how am I going to do it? And in asking that question, it's like for you to ask that question, for your partner to ask that question, and how do we support each other to make sure that we're able to do that? Because uh, I know this analogy gets overused, but it's like, you can't pour from an empty cup, right? Like you can for a while, you can do things for a while, but again, sustainably long, you know, ongoing, it doesn't work. And we become tired and resentful. And, you know, when our baby cries, it's, we get more irritated faster. We get more irritated with our partners faster. It's like, we can't do things. So it's like, if I can do a little something for myself, and figure out what that looks like, what I need. Like maybe it's connecting with friends. Maybe it's um, resting quietly and letting my partner take the baby out for a walk. Maybe, you know, what are the things that you need for you to like feel like you get recharged? Because it's, it looks different for everybody and making sure that you're each, you're each getting, getting time for yourselves to like recharge. And, I, and this last year has been the worst for being able to do that because we just don't even have our normal escapes either. So it's like even more so it's like, okay, where do I find these tiny moments to right. get that? What have you been hearing is helpful for parents in this past year for finding those moments? Have you heard any great ideas for adapting? You know, how can I continue to do that within this pandemic? Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know. I feel like they got tired of doing some of the, you know, like I think part of it is being, is finding, finding new things, right? Like uh, one, um, something um, is like, I was talking to a mom recently and she's like, I started taking classes online, like fun things. You know, she's like, I feel like I'm always like doing research on like how to like put my kid to sleep and how to, you know, like, you know, baby wearing stuff or, you know, all the things for our kids. She's like, but I started taking like stuff that I wanted to learn. And I think that's been one of the benefits of um, the the pandemic is there's been so many more online classes, like cooking classes and dance classes Mm -hmm. and just a more variety of things to do. So it's like finding something fun to look forward to, I think is part of it. And what does that look like? And again, I think it's like letting go and letting, you know, accepting help from people so that you can get these moments Mm -hmm. if you can. And I think also like letting go, like, oh, it has to be, if I'm going to get it, it needs to be a long period of time. Like sometimes it's like 15 minutes. If I can go in my room and like lay on my bed quietly (laughs) and the kids, you know, my kids are older so they can like watch themselves at this point. But you know, like if, you know, when they're younger, it's like, if my, my husband could take them out for a walk, like I would want to go for a walk with them, but sometimes it benefited me more if I just lay down by myself and did that, you know? Um, and finding like how to, how to get those, those moments in. Yeah. I laugh at myself in those moments back way back. I would sit, literally sit in my car for 10 minutes in the quiet just because it was supposed to be quiet. (laughs) But I do feel like there's that pressure. What are you going to do with that time? And sometimes you don't need to do anything. And that's a great reminder. It's just to be quiet. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we don't put enough, um, put enough, um, benefit into that. Like, I feel like we feel like we have to be doing things. Like there's this pressure, like, oh, like if I'm going to be a productive, if I'm going to be productive, I have to be doing something to show for my time. Mm -hmm. And I say a couple cuss words, heck no. Right. Um, I say, no, sometimes it's resting is able to have your body recharge and be able to keep going is the benefit in and of itself. Right. And I, I mean, we're like, but you know, I didn't get the laundry done or the dishes are still dirty or whatever, but it's like, oh, but are you still able to take care of your child and be able to meet their needs and, you know, do all that? Then you, you did benefit. Right. Prioritizing your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We, I would love to chat with you. We hear about baby blues. We know we can expect things are going to be rocky in the first few weeks. We all hear that. Yeah, right. But I think when you're in it, um, mm-hmm. I guess what might be helpful for some some new parents, whether they're expecting or they are having a new baby, um, it's hard to know what's going on. It's hard yeah. to know where do I fall on the spectrum? And yeah. do I have baby blues, or is this something that I really need to be paying more attention? Mm-hmm. Are there any guidelines that you can suggest for parents? Yeah. So about like 80 to like 90% of new um, moms and, and even about 10% of dads will experience baby blues. Um, and that's usually the symptoms will come within that first four to five days postpartum. And um, they'll kind of come and go throughout the day um, and last to up to two weeks. Um, and the symptoms might include sadness or crying for no reason. Like you don't even know 
like why you're crying, right? You might have impatience, irritability, restlessness. There might be some anxiety. There's of course fatigue. I'm like, of course, like some of these symptoms are silly because it's like, of course you just had a baby. You're feeling this, right? Um, mood changes. But the thing is, is like you're predominantly feel happy. Like those, the symptoms come and go, but there's like happiness within it and they only last up to two weeks. And so if you're feeling any of those symptoms and it's past the two weeks, um, it might be a postpartum depression or another like perinatal mood or anxiety disorder, like anxiety, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, bipolar, um, something like that. So up to like um, 15 to 20% of moms experience a postpartum mood or anxiety disorder. And, um, and you know, that's about one in five women. Um, and I say like, and I sometimes think maybe it could be higher because those are people that they're, they're able to count that are, you know, um, reporting that too. So, um, I mean, so that means if you're not struggling, probably somebody, you know, is struggling. Um, and I'm sorry. No, I just say, I think it's way more common than yeah. I realize. Right. And there's a, you know, and there's a lot of risk factors with that. So, um, uh, yeah, just any, you know, if you have a history of thyroid issues, if you have a, a history of a mood or anxiety disorder, even, um, prior to baby, if you have, um, if, um, sorry, I just lost my thought. If you uh, had, if you were pregnant before and now you're pregnant again, it goes up, um, up to 50, 50 to 80% risk if you had it previously. Um, if you have to abruptly wean, like I seem to have, I, I tend to get a lot of moms around four months because a lot of them might start to wean around then because they go back to work or something like that or like the, how often they um, breastfeed goes down because they go back to work and then I'll see higher rates. Um, if there's social, if you have social isolation or poor support, um, like I mentioned before, if you have your relationship, if you're having a lot of challenges in your relationship, it goes high, um, a history of premenstrual, premenstrual syndrome or premenstrual dysphoric um, disorder. Um, what else? Uh, diabetes, if you have a history of diabetes, um, if we have these unrealistic expectations, I'm like, basically anything, you know, like, so there's so many risk factors, right? And so I think it's just like being able to, you know, be aware of that. Like if you, if you have a baby that's not sleeping well or colic or, you know, um, it's, it's really challenging. And um, that's where like that support and everything is important because we need that, especially. Um, to help us during these times, you know, to help even lower, you know, our risk for a mood or anxiety disorder. Um, one thing I hear, just as you're talking and thinking also, um, parents who I speak with feel, you know, you're bringing up par parents who've had a history of mm -hmm. uh, past mood disorders, or maybe they already have a therapist that they were working with. What about parents who may have had a history, but now they're experiencing, you know, issues in postpartum, but their therapist does not specialize in perinatal care. Um, where, you know, and I find that these mamas are sometimes really lost. Like, I love my mm -hmm. therapist, but they're just not able to help me. Mm -hmm. um, thoughts for folks uh, 
experiencing that? Where should they turn to or consider care? Yeah, so, um, well, one of the places is um, Postpartum Support International, and they now have a whole directory too of therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists that specialize in um, maternal mental health. And so you can even like search your area. Um, I think, again, one of the benefits of the pandemic is so many people are now doing telehealth. So even if they're not in your, you, you don't have someone in your town, just even throughout your state, finding somebody that you can do um, therapy with. So looking there. And, and I've had that before where people come to me just for uh, the postpartum experience, or maybe they're pregnant. Like um, you can also get a mood or anxiety disorder while you're pregnant as well. It can start to to manifest. So it's like, you know, being able to pay attention to that. Um, so it's like looking there and finding somebody on that. I think that's a really good, probably the most um, um, comprehensive resource that I, I know of offhand. Um, and you can search there. And I, I know right now there's a lot of people that have like a waiting list. Like I currently have a waiting list too. So I think it's figuring out like, where can you get um, support in the meantime? Like even if you're like waiting and I think there's a lot of good support groups, even if you're not wanting to share, like maybe you're like, I don't want to share in a group, but to be able to sometimes to hear other people's stories and like, feel like, okay, I'm not in this alone. That's not just me. Um, it doesn't even have to be a mood and anxiety disorder group. It could just be a mom group in general, um, or a parenting group in general. I know most hospitals offer those support groups. Um, like I offer a support group. There's a lot of those as well. And, and they also list those in, um, on the postpartum support international site. Um, I'll make sure I link that in our, yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really great. And most of them are, you know, trained. They now offer like a certificate program to, for perinatal mental health issues. So. Okay. I forgot. I I'm going to note that because I've had so many people call and say, you know, there's waiting lists and I'm frustrated and I can't get care. So that is so great. frustrating, right? When you're finally wanting to get help and then you can't find it and you have to wait. And, and I have to say like, um, right. Depression and anxiety rates are higher than ever. And all my current, all my regular resources that I refer people to have wait lists. Most of them do. Occasionally I'll have somebody be like, Oh, I have an opening. And I send someone there right away because yeah. it's like, they're just not, there's, we're, we're inundated really, you know. Okay. For your um, groups, do you do ongoing? I didn't ask you before. Do you do ongoing groups or is, are you doing a series group? Can folks join you for you have openings in your group currently? Yeah, I don't have any um, openings for my therapy group, but I do an online monthly, like, parent group. So I, I, it's open to anyone. And, you know, I have some regulars that join me every, it's usually the second Monday of the month. So then the next one will be May 2nd. Occasionally it changes if there's a holiday. Um, but I list them on my, my website. Um, um, and it's through like meetup. So I, and when I opened it up to virtual, cause it used to be in person, I started getting people from all over the world because right. apparently it links to everywhere when you say it's online and so I have had this woman she's been coming for the last several months from Italy and I've had a, a woman from the Ukraine and so that's just been super it's been really exciting just because it's um it, it normalizes like we all are going through it doesn't matter where you live in the world 
we're going through like similar, you know, challenges in parenthood, you know, it doesn't change because you speak a different language or live in a different country. There's a lot of, a lot of similarities. So. Agreed. I love um, the diversity in our groups are online. Our weekly groups are online too. And now we are okay. feeling that welcoming parents from around the country. And yeah. Fabulous. So yeah. Um, Thanks for sharing about your groups. And mm -hmm. if you are listening, the Nest groups are available as well. And we do have space anytime. I am not a therapist. I'm running most of the postpartum groups. But like you were saying, Catherine, sometimes it's just really reassuring and validating to sit in space with other parents. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to ask you something. I, something I hear the most often, I would say, from all parents. Katie, I just want to put my baby down. Mm -hmm. She wants to be held all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm struggling not being able to get my most basic needs met. Mm -hmm. So I know we've all been there. This is just part of parenthood. It's the initiation. What, what do you mean? I have to hold this baby up. Why can't I put this baby down? Mm -hmm. What do you tell parents who are feeling really, really desperate for some space? Um, I usually say put your baby down, <laughs> you know, like, like, I think it's like getting that support from somebody else. And even if it's like, it's for a few minutes, right? Like, um, I, I remember, you know, early on and my husband would go to work and I would be home and I would just want to shower and my son just wanted to be held. And I would just be like, okay, I'm just going to put him in the bouncy seat. And I would like talk to him and poke my head out and chat and he would cry and he would you know and then he would do like okay you know and it was like a five minute thing you know but I'm like I felt so much better afterwards than if I hadn't done it mm -hmm. um and I think it's also like you know if you're if you have somebody that's there that can hold the baby it's like go and do it and if the baby cries it's not that their needs aren't being met because there if there is somebody there to hold if you have to leave the house and go for a little walk around the block and come back if that makes it easier i think it's like not doing it because you know the baby is going to be okay <laughs> especially if there's somebody there it's like even if they're not able to meet the baby's needs the way that you are is the baby still being tended to mm -hmm. um and, you know, it's just, they just have to learn to have other people help them self-soothe and stuff too. Right. Well, there's so much win-win there, right? I mean, first, yeah. who doesn't want to hold a baby? Who right. doesn't want to hold that baby? I'm sure there's someone, if you have someone in your home, yeah. to hold them. And then, of course, your baby is learning to connect mm -hmm. with another human, which is one right. I like to right. share is there's so much benefit to that, to that connection they're making with another person. Yeah. Might not be the number one choice. That person might not have breast milk ready yes. at the yeah. track, but <laughs> yeah, but it's still really great. It is good. And it's good for them. Like they learn how other people do things. It's good for their brain development. They find that having other, like if, if, you know, one partner does something different than the other partner, like they learn how to go about figure out the world you know having other people do things so it's it's good for it is good for them and they'll be okay so if you're already feeling overwhelmed i think it's hard to realize um, yeah that that's an option sometimes that, right um, you know i tried to i tried to say um not asking the baby for help but asking mm -hmm. other adults for help yes yeah um, and and being okay 
with doing that. Again, that goes back to where we started, being able mm-hmm. to ask for help and then being able yeah. to get that help. Right. And, 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 you know, and back to that whole analogy, like you can't pour for an empty cup. You've got to put your oxygen mask on first, right? Like if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're so overwhelmed, like we're not giving the best of ourselves if we're, you know, and so, and, and there are studies that show it's the, the quality of time with your child, not necessarily the quantity, you know? So if you can be like, okay, I'm going to go take some time for myself and come back and be able to give best better of me, then go ahead and then do that. Do that. It's, it's good for your family too. I think hearing that as early as possible is so important mm-hmm. because I wish I'd heard that earlier. Just that piece right there. Um, I know I discovered that way in deeper into parenthood than I had liked. I think my mm-hmm. like four or five before I realized, oh, I'm actually better at this if I've had a little space. To mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's so great to share that now and to share that with those of you who are listening who are pregnant or in early postpartum, mm-hmm. really understanding how that comes in. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Well, I know we've talked a little bit about pandemic parenting already. Um, I'd love to hear, we talked about whether you'd share some ideas for some go-to tips for anxiety and overwhelm for all parents, not necessarily Mm -hmm. early postpartum, um, because as we've shared, this pandemic or any stressful time Mm -hmm. magnifies parenthood, makes Mm -hmm. things that are already hard way harder, and we are all there. Every single one of us gets in those moments every day probably where there's a bit of overwhelm. So I'd love to hear your favorite tips. Well, what, what can we do in that moment with our children present? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times we feel like all this pressure that we have to be doing all these things. And so I always like to say, like, slow down, mm-hmm. you know, like take a deep breath. And seriously, taking a deep breath helps decrease our anxiety. Like we take a deep breath in and breathe slowly out. It helps um, slow down our heart rate, lower our blood pressure. If our, if our child is crying, like that's one of my things. It's like, you know, you can hold your baby and do the deep breathing with your baby. And so oftentimes that can help them soothe because they feel that in us because they, you know, they pick up on our energy too. So it's like slowing things down, figuring out like what are the priorities like that you have to do right now. Um, it, it's figuring out where you can get some extra support. What are the things that you can prioritize and maybe take off your plate? Like maybe I don't need to do today. Like, I feel like I have to do it, but do I really need to do these things? And I think that's where, you know, if you have a partner, it's like connecting with them and figuring out like, okay, what are, what are the things that need to be done and how do we, how can we support each other to help, help them get done and, and asking for help from them if you need it or whoever's in your, your inner circle. And I think oftentimes too, it can be helpful to have like, you know, a, a mothering mentor, like, uh, it doesn't even have to be your mother. Cause oftentimes we have our own conflicts with our own moms that they're not the support that we wish they would be, you know? So I think it's like sometimes finding, um, a friend or somebody that maybe their kids are a little bit older than yours. And that they can give you that like, oh, you know, that reassurance, like, hey, this, this stage, this phase is going to pass. You're doing the right stuff or, hey, like try this or try that or, you know, 
hey, let me come over and help you. I mean, I think that was one of my, you know, uh, biggest gifts is I had my, one of my very good girlfriends, her kids are about five years older than my kids. And it was like, she would be the person I would call and be like, I can't do this, you know, like crying at her. And she'd be like, oh, you're doing just fine. You know, just like somebody to say like, you're doing, you're doing exactly you know, you're doing fine. And here, this is how I can support you like in this moment, you know, and, and also avoiding things that trigger us and make us feel more anxious. Like, what are you doing with your time? Are you, when you're half free time, like when you're breastfeeding, are you scrolling social media? Then all of a sudden you feel like, Ooh, I don't feel so good about myself anymore. You know, like don't do that. Get off of it or stop, stop following the people or the accounts that make you feel less than or you know like I don't follow those accounts where the kids match their mom's outfits and the hair is perfectly done because I'm like I do one picture every year with my kids at Christmas time and I can't even get my kids to wear what I want them to wear in that picture I don't know how these moms get their kids dressed up multiple times a week in these matching outfits and I'm like envious of them so I avoid it because I'm like <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Triggers. Watch out for those triggers mm-hmm. and do what you can to soften them, avoid them, take them right. out of your day. Right. That's such great advice and something for sure in the past year. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, I want to be sure that for anyone listening to us today, um, that we have a really, uh, I, I want to be sure we cover things, symptoms, signs that might be happening that moms might not be aware of, or parents, I should say, that, that are maybe problematic. So um, I find that moms go sometimes into parenthood, they'll, you know, eight months in or even a few years go by and they say, oh my gosh, I never knew. I never knew all those signs were actually signs of depression or mm other postpartum mood disorders and oh my gosh and I'm guilty also I didn't get help for four years yeah the anxiety because I just kept saying I'm okay I can mm-hmm. do this I'm all right and your quality of life shifts and your focus is on your child time goes by and one day you say oh my goodness I have an issue yeah. I should have probably faced this sooner yeah and then once we do we go oh I feel so much better So any thoughts for those folks? Yeah. Um, And, and, you know, I think one of the challenges with that is oftentimes we will say something to someone like maybe even our doctor and they'll be like, Oh, that's normal. All moms feel that way or all parents feel that way. Um, But it's, it's not normal if it's ongoing and it's affecting how you feel most of the time, you know? And so, you know, it's, it's feelings of overwhelm and guilty. Maybe I, I think one of the um, symptoms of like the postpartum depression that people don't realize is like feelings of rage or irritability, anger. And people will think like, oh, it's at towards my baby. Oftentimes it's not towards their baby. It's towards a partner or somebody like that. Um, feeling numbness or emptiness, um, trouble sleeping, exhaustion, or if you're so tired and then you still can't sleep, insomnia, like I'm like, oh, you need, you know, getting help. Even if you have the opportunity to sleep, you can't sleep. Definitely um, doing that. Um, feelings of like thoughts of running away, like wanting to escape. Um, 
like I had a whole little place I would go <laughs> where I would end up going. I was going to work at a little bookstore by the beach that I would walk to. But it's like, I mean, and that's like, I mean, I think we all have these at times, but I think when it becomes a predominant that it's like affecting how we're feeling most of the time, then it's, it's important. Um, and then some of the um, symptoms of like, like anxiety or even panic is like that feeling that you can't relax, like racing thoughts, um, excessive worry. Um, and worry, you know, it's normal for par new parents, especially, but it's like that excessive worry that gets in the way of things. Um, maybe feeling like you constantly have to be doing something. Maybe there's even like disturbing or scary thoughts. Um, feelings of being um, afraid to be alone with the baby or some sense of dread. Again, like trouble sleeping, lack of appetite or over appetite. Um, there's some other ones. Uh, sometimes physical symptoms too, like nausea, headaches, um, maybe stomach cramps. Maybe you're having panic attacks that you haven't had before um, or that you have had, but um, more frequently. Um, like just fears, fears of like someone taking the baby away or if you ask for help, like, and I think that's a big one. Like they're so afraid to say anything because they're afraid somebody's going to think that they need to take the baby away right. um, because they're having that. So, um, right. Yeah. That's really helpful. And just to reiterate, if anyone is listening and has, does not have any support that they're working with, you can go to PSI or postpartum support international. Yeah. And, and the website is postpartum.net. Postpartum.net. Yes. And look at resources there and reach out. You can also reach out to, if you're local, even if you're not, you can call any of us at The Nest. Mm -hmm. We're just getting used to being not just local. So anyone yeah. can reach out and, and yeah. always here. Uh, or your care provider. In, and you're right, Catherine, doctors often dismiss. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. That's normal. And so if you have reached out and you are being dismissed, I think it's great to try again and maybe reach out to someone else. Exactly. Um, and there are, and I feel like there's more and more education. So I feel like, and doctors are more prepared and there's more resources. So doctors now know where to refer, um, can have places to refer their patients. Um, so I feel like I'm hearing less of that. It still happens for sure. Um, but I think it is like, if you feel dismissed, like get help somewhere else. And yeah, like, I'm glad that you guys are a resource and post, um, PSI also has res um, coordinators in different areas. So even if there's not one in your area, there's somebody else and they can help connect you um, with resources as well. Great. So, um, and there's, uh, there is just like a lot more online. There's a lot more online resources, which I think is, is good, especially if you're somewhere where you can't get to them or it's hard to get to them because you have a new baby and it's hard to leave the house. So I'm curious if you have any favorite books or and or and or podcasts that you love and that you okay. recommend for parents to check out. Okay. So I so I have a lot of favorite books. Um my new the latest one I've been referring a lot of patients to is have you heard of um Dr. Dan Siegel? He talks about he does a um the whole brain child, does a lot about like neurodevelopment and stuff. And his latest book with um Tina Payne Bryson is called The Power of Showing Up. How parental presence shapes our kids and becomes and shapes who our kids become and how their brains get wired. 
And I th he talks about like the four S's um, and that's saying, and as his framework, and that's safe, seen, soothed, and secure. And I just love it because I feel like we have all this pressure on ourselves that we have to do all these things. And he really breaks it down. They, they break it down and simplify it and, um, and talks about how we can meet their needs, you know, in a way that I, and I feel like it's the simplicity of it for us is important because I feel like things can get too complicated and too hard, but like basically by showing up and being present is we can all do that. And, and how do we do that? And the fact that you won't always do it and that the repair in that is, is good for them as well too. So I love that. Yeah. So that's my new favorite one. I, I mean, I refer everyone to it because he, you know, he talks a lot about things he's, he's talked about in other books, but I just like um, that developmental piece of it, but then also the practical advice as well that mm -hmm. is easy to implement. So power of showing up. Any yeah. other books, authors, or podcasts? Um, I like um, um, Janet Lansbury's podcast. Like she will usually a parent writes in a question like from anything from potty training to getting your child to sleep to like dealing with a new baby or whatever sibling stuff um and they're usually short <laughs> so i feel like you know it could be like you're on your way to work or something or you're you know um making breakfast for your kids or whatever and you can listen to it and she gives some good practical advice and it's you know helpful and kind of takes on that whole positive parenting type approach so, which I think is um, a lot of parents, you know, yeah, are working towards. So, great, thank you. Yeah. So those thank are yeah. So those I yeah. <laughs> and then another another a website is Aha Parenting, um, and I love her stuff too because she breaks everything on there down into like different age ranges and kind of more along the signs lines of that the podcast. Um, but like if you're into reading different things too. Um, and that's, uh, what's her name? Uh, I forgot. Oh, Markham, Laura Markham, yeah. Dr. Laura Markham. Yeah. And her stuff is really great too. So yeah. Love that website. Yeah. We have a small audience with us today and I just wanted to see if anyone had a question and if you do, you're welcome to unmute or you can chat a question and I'm happy to read it aloud while we wait for that. Any last, um, any last bits you'd like to share while you're here with us today? You can share maybe how people can find you. I will yeah. add that in the bio, but maybe just. Okay. Yeah. So like you said, my website is happywithbaby.com. And um, I offer, you know, individual and couples counseling, but I have a lot of resources um, on my website as well. And I do have, like I said, a, a community, currently a Facebook community where I've been doing like um, some lives. I do interviews with other experts also. And um, oftentimes I'll just do a live on just some like tips on parenting or um, like I just did a series on like kind of self-care and different ways to help soothe our, you know, soothe ourselves <laughs> basically. Um, and what else? Um, yeah, so like I have the meetup group and stuff. So I have a lot of free resources that go along with um, the other um, resources that I have too. 
Great. And I'll be sure to link her website in the bio. So those of you who are listening to the podcast, you will have access to that. We have one question here, which is, do you have, in regards to anxiety around COVID, do you have suggestions on how to manage fear as we start to spend more time in public and help with how to feel as though I'm not passing that fear on to my baby? And that is, that is such a great question. And so common. And I hear, you know, I, I, I think I have that conversation weekly and I think it's like, it's like, uh, I mentioned to you, um, Katie, that my kids just went back to school today for the first time, which was really weird. And I was like, I was excited and nervous and sad and like all the things. Um, and I think it's like, I feel like there's this rush to like go back to everything. Right. And I think, and some of it, it's like slowing it down a little bit and deciding like, okay, what baby steps am I ready to take? Just because everybody else is over here doing this doesn't mean I have to do it. And I think that's the thing with parenting in general, just because everybody else is are doing it. If I'm not comfortable with that, I don't have to do that. I do what, I do what works for me and my family. So if I need to take slower um, steps, like, I mean, restaurants are opening and you can eat inside. I'm not ready to eat inside a restaurant. So I'm, you know, maybe I'll go to a restaurant, but I'm going to eat outside. Like I'm going to do what I'm comfortable doing, um, even though, you know, other people are saying it. So I think it's like, um, like doing what you're comfortable with and taking like baby steps. Um, And just even when I had um, our first child, like I was nervous to go out in public with him because I didn't, I didn't know how to change his diaper. Like, I mean, I barely, I feel like I barely knew how to change his diaper at home. Like, and then I was going to go out and I was going to have to feed him and I was going to have to do all those things. And so I decided, like, I made myself a list of like, what are baby friendly places? What, you know, what are COVID friendly? Like, where am I comfortable? Where would I be comfortable going? And I think it is this like starting small and figuring out like where, if I'm going to do this, if I, you know, I want to try to get out back in the world and doing some of these things, what am I comfortable with and where do I start? And, 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 you know, making that list or whatever for yourself. And I think it's okay that you're, you're not ready and that it, it is anxiety provoking. I mean, for a year, over a year, we've been at home. Like, I mean, it's weird. <laughs> it's so weird. And I have to say, I, I, it's, it's hard and weird for those of us without babies. Yes. And this is your first baby and entering the world. I mean, both, that's just such a big whammy. Yeah. 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 And I think it's like, and so she asked about how not to feel like she's passing the fear along to her baby. I think it's making sure that you're taking care of yourself, right? Like it's making sure that I'm not doing something I'm too anxious to do. So where do I get the support that I need to help me soothe myself, to help me feel calm so that you're not? you know, and do we do things? Do we react in our way? Our kids respond? Yes. But that's like, how do you make sure that's not happening like all the time, you know? So what do you need for yourself? Right. And I also think you brought up co-regulation earlier and I think that's so useful, right? Just taking those deep breaths and staying calm mm-hmm. passes on to your baby and another. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I hope that's helpful. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Catherine, I want to thank you for spending your time with us this afternoon. Thank you. Yeah, no, I love this. This is so fun. It's so lovely to have you. And I'll be sure, like I said, to put all of your information 
on the link with the podcast so everyone can find you uh, and maybe even get to join some of your groups or work with you one-on-one. That would be great. Thank you for all your work with parents. Really, really important work. Thank you so much, Katie. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Thanks to our audience. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to The Nest on Tap. For more talks about pregnancy and parenting, visit us online at thenestfamilyresource.com, on Facebook at The Nest Childbirth Postpartum and Parenting, and on Instagram at thenest.nc.